you a copy of scripture, I invite you to turn with me to the tiny book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. We'll be looking at uh, verses 12 to 17 this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. It was... Um, it was great last weekend, as Jim was saying, to have uh, been able to spend some time uh, with many of you and with other uh, friends and, and family just worshiping and talking about and celebrating together the infinite love and the grace of God that is available to us through Jesus Christ. Easter is such a special reminder for us each year that God's love is for all, no matter what. Uh, we just have to simply choose the eternal life that God offers to us by trusting in Jesus. Last week, uh, we looked at what it meant to be uh, a follower of Jesus and, and the, the love and the hope and the, the grace and the freedom that we have in Christ. Today, we want to look together at uh, one of the more difficult things for us as Christians, which is allowing God's love and grace to transform us so that we start to look more and more like God and less and less like the world. Read with me as we look at Colossians Chapter 3, beginning verse 12. Colossians 3, beginning verse 12, says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. For forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and with, a song, with sorry, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's just pray. God, I thank you and I praise you for the precious gift of your word. We pray, Lord, you allow your spirit to guide us now. Speak to us, Lord. Teach us how to be more like you. Show us your will and your way. And give us boldness of faith to follow you. We are your church. We want to surrender all that we do to you. Be glorified, Lord, through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this passage begins in verse 12 by kind of pointing us back to uh, the first 16 verses of, uh, sorry, the first 11 verses of uh, Colossians chapter 3. In, it begins by saying, uh, therefore, um, therefore is God's chosen people. And so you have to say, well, what does that point us back to? And so I want to challenge you. Uh, go through later on today and read these first 11 verses because it's a great passage beginning in verse 1 of Colossians chapter 3 when it says, You have a new life in Christ Jesus. You are born again in Him. And since you have a new life in Christ, we are to set our minds and our hearts on things above, on things of Christ and no longer of things of the earth. The sins we see all around us no longer enslave us as they once did before Christ set us free. And since you have that freedom in Christ and you are in the body of Christ, you are followers of Jesus, God's chosen people, 
there should be a difference in your life. So it begins in, 30, in verse 12 by saying, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with these things. As God's family, who have been set apart by Him, who have been loved by Him, there should be a difference in our lives. We should look different from the world. We are God's chosen people. As I said, set apart uh, by Him. Holy or I means set apart by Him. Moved from darkness to light. From death unto life. From imprisonment in the, in the sins that are around us to freedom in Christ. A remarkable eternal change. We, it should be evident in our lives that we're no longer living that same life. We have been raised to a new life in Christ. And that should show. We've been moved from darkness to light. And that should be evident to everyone. Not only are we set apart by Him, holy in Him, but we are loved by Him. A love not like the world loves on the surface. That kind of says we love one another, but often aren't there. God knows us completely. The joys, the challenges, the accomplishments, the mistakes. He knows what nobody else knows, and yet He still loves us completely and shows us an eternal love. Last week we celebrated that in Easter. That He knows us completely and yet He forgives us completely. He heals us. He restores us. His love is a never-ending love. A life-giving love. A restoring love. A healing love. An eternal love. It is without end. And we who have been set apart by Him, we've been moved from the darkness to light, from death into life. We who have been loved with this eternal Forgiving, healing, restoring love should show Christ in our lives. That sort of difference, moving from darkness to life, moving from death, uh, darkness to life, from death unto life, that sort of love that heals and restores should be evident in our lives. And so it says we are to cover ourselves with these things. Cover ourselves, clothe yourselves with compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Sounds like pretty good things to be known for. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience is what we should wear. It should be what people see when they see us. That's what it's talking about when it says, clothe yourselves, cover yourselves with these things. When people look at your life, they should see compassion. They should see kindness. They should see humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, this is not to say in any way that when you accept Christ and He moves you from death to life or darkness to light and He has this great transition and you're, you're set apart by Him and you're loved by Him, it does not say in the Scripture, it does not mean that there will be no difficulty in your life. That you will be absolutely just blessed financially and anything you want uh, will just fall at your feet if you follow Christ. That's not what the Scripture says. It does say that through life, in the joys and the challenges, these things should be evident to people in our lives. These are what the Christians, people of God, should, com- should clothe themselves in. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It doesn't say that if you become a, if you become a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, that the world will see that you're blessed by your material possessions or your trendy job or your trendy clothes, or even 
It doesn't even say that people will not mistreat you. It does mean that in the situations, whether they be going your way or not, or whether they be going in your favor or not, you can show Christ and not the sinful man anymore. Because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. It does mean that even when you don't get your way, when compromising for the sake of others means it's difficult, you can show the attributes of loving Jesus rather than the sinful man. It does mean. It does mean that when difficult times come, and they will, that you can, even in the heart of it all, you can be able to demonstrate Jesus with your life instead of looking just like everybody else around us. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These should be evident in our life. This is a sort of way of being loved. It, it changes you. Love of being loved this intensely by God transforms us to not being and not looking exactly like we did before, but showing that compassion, showing that grace in every part of our lives. You're spending time with God every day, developing and maturing that relationship with Him. If we're learning from Him, then you start to exhibit more and more of Him. And so it says we are to, to wear these things of Christ. We're to be clothed by these things of Christ. But it also says here are some things that we should be doing as children of God, how we should be living. It says in this passage, bear with each other. Bear with each other. Now, I don't know about you, but if I read this passage about how, beginning in verse 1 of Colossians 3, how we are raised to a new life in Christ, therefore we're a new creation. We should focus on the things above, not the things uh, of earth. We're not controlled or contained or held back by the sin anymore that enslaves us. We've been moved from the darkness and the confusion of, of sin and life to light and hope and freedom. And so therefore, focus on these things and clothe yourselves with the humility and grace and gentleness. And so you would think there'd be no need, no need for this next phrase that says, and as children of God, as followers of Jesus... You should bear with one another. It shouldn't be difficult if everyone is being like Christ, should it? But we aren't. We aren't all at all times being like Christ. And we need to be able to do this. Bear with each other. Forgive one another of any grievances you have between you. Again, why would there be any grievance if we're being like Christ because you are not Christ. You are not Jesus. You are learning to be more like Christ. You are being changed more into the image of Christ. But we've got a long way to go, don't we? There will be grievances between us as a church. There can be disagreements between people in the church. There can be hurt between different people in the church. If you've been around 
any church very long at all, you've known people, sadly, who have been part of the family who are no longer because of grievances between other people, because of disagreements between other people, because of hurt caused by us, the church. We often let grievances and disturbances divide us rather than opportunities for God to grow us and unite us. We let hurt divide us. God says, as the children of God, bear with each other, forgive one another of any grievances you have. We have to be willing to talk to each other. We have to be willing to listen to each other and to work it out. And here's the kicker. It says, forgive one another just like God forgives you. Now, why do you have to throw that in there? That makes it so much harder, doesn't it? It says, okay, bear with each other. That's hard enough. Forgive each other. That's a step further. Sometimes you can go, yeah, okay, I can keep on putting up with these people. I can keep on putting up with you guys. I'll keep on bearing with you, but I'm not going to let go of that. I'm not going to let go of that hurt. I'm not going to forgive. God says, bear with each other. Forgive one another. And then he goes further and says, forgive one another the same way that God forgives you. Now, this is more than just saying, all right, mate, let's just forgive and forget. Or let's just move on. It's all okay. But yet in your heart, you're still going, I can't believe what he's done or I can't believe what she's done. And we do that so often as a church. We say to the person, you know what, I've heard you and I forgive you. And then we leave and we say to someone else from our church or someone else who's another brother or sister in Christ, oh, mate, you won't believe what they've done. I wouldn't tell them anything. Your secret's not safe with them or whatever the situation is. We've not forgiven, have we? We've not let it go. We've not forgiven like Christ does. Christ forgives us. God forgives us. Not by just saying, you know what, that's okay. I'll keep putting up with you or I'll keep dealing with you, but I'll hold this against you. I'll always use this to dig away and to to eat away at our relationship. God, through Christ, offers us justification. Which means the moment Christ comes into our life, the moment we, we ask Him to give us life instead of the death we deserve, we are justified by our sins because Jesus already paid the price for that sin. We celebrated that last week. And so when we accept Christ, He forgives us just as if we had never sinned. He wipes that slate clean. It's like it never happened. It's not like he, he pulls it up out of his past. It's not in the past. It's not there anymore. There's no record of those wrongs. Jesus has paid the price for all of that sin. God forgives completely. He lets it go. We even say, look, I forgive, but I'm still not going to trust you. I'm still not going to do this because that's still there in our heart. God forgives completely. He just wipes it away. It's not there anymore. There's nothing to come between us and God because Jesus has paid the price for that sin. God says here, the Bible says here in God's Word in Colossians, we are to forgive one another like God forgives us. We're to bear with one another, forgive each other as God forgives us. That is how when people look to us, they don't just see us. They see grace. They see mercy. They see gentleness. They see 
hope. When we're clothed with the things of Christ, we're doing the things of Christ. We're bearing with each other. We're forgiving each other. We're loving each other. And the peace of Christ is in us. Let this rule in our hearts because we are called to be a people of peace. If we're followers of Jesus, then we follow Him in love. We follow Him in forgiveness. We follow Him in peace. And it says, when you're being clothed with all of these things of, of Christ, tie love around it because love is what binds it all together in perfect unity. Now, wouldn't some unity be nice to have in our lives? Wouldn't some peace be nice to have in our lives? Perfect unity. Perfect togetherness. I've served in some wonderful churches through the years. This is one of the top of the list, I have to say. You guys are amazing. But we're not always in perfect unity, are we? There's not always perfect peace in the church, in this church, in any church. Because we let our humanness come to light. We let our own desires have a say rather than following the heart and the mind of Christ which leads us to peace, which leads us to unity, which leads us to loving and forgiving and hearing out each other. It says, verse 16 says, what, what is to be evident in our lives is let the message of Jesus live in you. Verse 16 says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. We should be about teaching each other. Teaching each other how? Teaching each other the words of Christ. Teaching each other the ways of Christ. Teaching each other the will of God. We learn from each other as we are growing together to be more like Christ, as together we're being molded more and more into the image of Christ. We should be leading one another closer and closer to God by our words and by our life. Not only in the way we teach each other, but it says in the way we admonish each other. Now, admonish is a weird word, I think, um, and it can be taken two different ways. Uh, the main uh, way that, um, that... There's two main ways that admonish could be taken. One means this. Now, this is from, from the dictionary, so I don't want to bore you too much, but I'll read the, uh, the dictionary thing of, of admonish. First of all, it can mean to reprimand firmly. Like, she admonished me for appearing at breakfast unshaven. That'd be me. I get lazy, I might get admonished that way. Admonish could be to reprimand firmly. So to reprimand, to rebuke, to scold, to reprove, to chastise. To read the riot act to. To give a piece of one's mind to. Or to haul over the coals. Now, to me... But look at that definition of admonish. I think it's probably not how God's wanting us to live. Teaching us to be like Christ by giving a piece of our mind to someone or holding them over the coals, reading the right act. But it's a common definition of the word 
admonish. But admonish can also mean to advise or to urge someone earnestly. Like uh, she admonished him to drink more than one glass of, wine, of, of water a day. Not a wine a day. <laughs> that could be helpful sometimes too, I guess. Uh, no, she, she admonished him to drink more than one glass of water a day. Uh, it means to advise, to recommend, to urge, to caution, to implore, to beseech, to encourage, to enjoin, to push, to pressure. To encourage, to exhort, to urge, to caution, to warn, to counsel. That's a very different definition, isn't it? We are to teach each other the Word of God with our life, with our words. How we have found it challenging to be molded into the image of Christ. How we sometimes struggle with letting go of ourselves and letting Christ live in us. How we sometimes find it difficult to bear with one another or forgive each other. We need to be molding each other, teaching each other that way, and admonishing one another. Not raking each other over the coals, not giving each other a, pers- a piece of our mind, but encouraging each other, imploring them, earnestly saying, go God's way. Follow God. Mirror Christ. I have to say, I've been involved in church work since 1991 or so, I guess. And I've seen a lot more of the first definition of admonish than I have the second. I've seen a lot of people who call themselves Christians. Who I love that phrase that they rake each other over the coals. Or they give him a piece of my mind. And I've heard, I've heard Christians in churches, churches, who have said, yeah, he wants to talk. I'll talk to him. I want to give him a piece of my mind. I want to tell him how I really feel. And yes, there's a place to acknowledge hurt. Yes, we need to listen to each other. But we need to do that with the peace of Christ, with the grace that Christ gives to us, with the willingness to forgive as Christ forgives us, with love. With love as our covering. Mercy and grace, gentleness as our covering. We need to learn to be like Christ. Isn't it great to... We celebrate last week the freedom we have in Christ. We celebrate the new life He gives to us. But how quickly, how quickly we forget that freedom. How quickly we forget what that grace has meant to us us, and and the freedom from sin we have and how God wants to change our life so much more. He doesn't want us to have bitterness in our hearts. He doesn't want us to be divided as a church family. He doesn't want there to be unforgiveness there at all. He doesn't want there to be hurt. He wants us to err on the side of peace, to err on the side of grace, to love one another, bear with each other, forgive 
one another. Let the teachings, the message of Jesus, live in you as you teach and admonish one another. If the message of Christ reigns in our heart, we start to treat people not as they probably deserve, but as God treats us with grace and love, mercy, long-suffering, faithfulness. If the message of God and of Christ reigns in our hearts, then people know by the way we, we treat each other and the way that we talk each, to each other. Because we will encourage and support and build each other up, lead each other closer and closer to God. To be the whole and the pure and the loving and the gracious church that God wants us to be. Church, I'll say all this to say we've got a long way to go. Not just as this particular church, but as the church of God in general. We've got a long way to go. God is a transforming God. If we're honest with ourselves today, I think the only way we move toward Christ is in honesty and acceptance of who we are and where we're at. And if we're honest, I think we have to say that all of this sounds great, but it doesn't sound much like us. It doesn't sound like the church that we often see or the church that we experience. We need to love one another. And that sometimes is tough. We need to forgive one another. And that sometimes is really tough. And we need to do this again and again and again. Sometimes every day. As God moves us together and teaches us together, He transforms us together to show more of Him and less of us. Let me just pray for us. Dear God, I thank You and I praise You for the mercy and grace that You've given to us at the cross. Thank You, Lord, for the fact that we can just come to You with our hurt. We can come to You with our brokenness. We can come to You with, with the fact that we can say, God, I know that You've changed me. I know that You've healed me. I know that You've restored me. I know that You've saved me to a new life. But Lord, the life I'm living right now isn't reflecting that freedom. It's not reflecting that grace. Lord, help us come to You for Your forgiveness and mercy. And Lord, thank You that every time we do that, You show us forgiveness and mercy and You pick us back up and You put us back on the right path. Lord, help us as Your church followers of You to stop going our own way. Help us, Lord, to follow You. Help us in our lives to show mercy, to show gentleness, to show forgiveness, to show Your love. Lord, help us to admit when we're far from being the church You want us to be. And Lord, help us to humble ourselves before You. Teach us Your ways. Show us your love. Show us your grace. Lead us, Lord, together as your church. Lord, you tear down the walls that divide us. You knock anything out of the way that's not from you. You, Lord, help us just to surrender all things to you. 
And you will minister through us. You will bring unity to us as a church. You will, will provide ministry and grace and healing and restoration to the community by your grace, by your mercy. You are God. We are your church. We want to surrender all to you. Help us, Lord, to honor you. There are those here this morning who say, God, I just feel you talking in my heart and saying it's time for a change. Lord, help us to get things right with you this morning. As people come down and, uh, and, and just pray. There'll be people to come down and pray with them. Lord, thank you for opportunities to get things right with you. Help us to surrender to you now as we sing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.